Listener Production. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of That's Enough Already. It is me, Ursula Carlson, and this week I am chatting to multi-award winning comedian, singer and songwriter and someone who I'll happily discuss anything with. It is Ruben Kay. We talk about Turtle Pussy. Just when you thought you'd heard it all on this podcast, well, you thought wrong. In this episode, Ruben shares his hilarious childhood tale from Show and Tell and the time he thought he was picking up a standard cash job as a waiter on a boat until he realised whose party it actually was. It's a great story from an even greater guy. How great is my chat with Ruben K. That's quite enough. Just, just shut your mouth. I don't give a stuff. Shush, please. Uh-uh. Yes, I can hear. But I don't care. That's enough already. Ruben, where are you now? You're in Edinburgh. I'm in Edinburgh at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. We're halfway through. I am just recovering from my first bout of fringe flu. Oh, no. Always go. Laid me low yesterday. I was in bed all day yesterday. Had a tech today. And my agent came into the tech and I asked her, oh, how's it sound? Like the band and everything. And she said, your voice sounds tired, Ruben. Look after yourself. Oh, my God. That's the, The one thing you don't want to hear is, so you sound no. terrible. I know. And it's always like they think, come, James. Come. I just see this little, this little figure. I was just waiting outside. for the moment. Thanks, James. Yeah. This is James. He's my old um, producer, but also my favourite producer. Oh, sh- we won't He dumped that. me. What? I dumped him. James, what the fuck yeah. are you doing? Yeah. Ursula is like the Fort Knox of comedy. She's gold. Yeah, yeah, but it's simple. Treat him mean, keep him keen. Yeah, although he's the one that brought me a coffee. I didn't take him a coffee. <laughs> where are you? Where are you? I'm currently in Melbourne. Um, I, I got here Saturday. I was filming Have You Been Paying Attention? And now I'm staying because I'm also filming Thank God You're Here. Um, but then in the meantime, I'm doing podcasts and I'm also writing my new show. Oh, amazing. Because every year I do a new show and I started in Melbourne. But then I thought, I'm going to write it in Melbourne because A, the kids aren't here and B, um, I sort of feel like I every year I start my new show in Melbourne, so I think I should write it in Melbourne because it feels like a home game. It feels like mm. I'm home. Where do you live? I live in Melbourne. I live in Melbourne, but I I'm I I'm there maybe one month of the year, and that is April. You tour a lot, right? Like how how many months of the year would you be away from? Do you have a home? Let me ask you that. Do you have an actual home? Yeah, I've got a place. I've rent a place in mm. Melbourne, but this year is the first year I've rented a place since the pandemic. I've been touring since the pandemic, and I've literally been in Melbourne for one month of this year, and I will be in Melbourne at home for one month. The rest of it, I'm I'm touring. I'm living out of my suitcases. Yeah, like tour managers and people who work in this industry. Don't have homes because you're on the road. So when I say to people, I'm on the road 300 days of the year, they think I'm out of my fucking mind. But it's true. I'm on the road 300 days of the year. Mm. I've got two kids. So I keep, you know, like going back, going back. And I bring them with me sometimes. But, yeah, it's a lot. And then a lot of people don't even bother to have houses. They have a storage unit. And then they'll they'll have an Airbnb for mm. a month when they're home. I don't understand how you do it with two kids because I don't – I have parents. I have no responsibilities and that's fine yeah. by me. But I don't understand how you do it with two kids. Well, it's hard. But, like, I will – sometimes I'll fly into Melbourne <clears throat> on the morning of. I'll do the show and I will fly back on the 
on the red eye. I'll fly back midnight and I'll get back in New Zealand four o'clock. So for the kids, I've only been away for a day. But otherwise, I'm away, say, three days of the week, then I'm back home for four, then, you know, or four, three, whatever. That's crazy. And are they just look? Are they just like what looking after themselves near an open flame? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah the well, house? they have to stay. Warm. Yeah, you good. know, it's New Zealand. It's, like... <laughs> it's fair. Cost yeah. of living crisis. No, my ex-wife looks after them. They've got two fucking parents. Oh, that is lucky in this economy to have two yeah, parents. I know, I know. They they're very lucky. You know, I mean, I'm giving them some issues so they have something to discuss with a therapist. You you've got. You've got two parents. Your, your dad passed away. I didn't before when you said I have parents. I didn't want to tell you your dad's dead. What? Actually, you're going to yes. love this. So, <clears throat> yeah, I'm a member of the the Dead Dad Club. And when Dad died, I was getting really angry at everyone saying, "Oh, I'm so sorry," and everyone coming up to me with that sympathetic look. And of course, I wasn't angry at them. I was angry at Dad for dying, but he expressed it as anger uh-huh. as that. And then we went to my dad's artist artist studio. He was an artist and he had a joint studio with a bunch of other artists to collect his stuff. And my brother and I came in and I'm like a hothead and my brother's a bit of a pacifist. And we walk in and this lovely lady just gives me that look. She knew my dad, gives me that look, walks up to me with this sympathetic look and already I'm seething. And she goes, I am so sorry about your father. And I just, something flipped and I just went, why? What happened? <laughs> what, hap- what happened to dad? And my brother just looks at me with this like burning look in his eyes. And she goes, oh, oh, I, um, I said, well, he goes, Sam, what happened to Papa? <laughs> and <laughs> I am howling with laughter. My brother's like, that's not funny, Ruben. That's not funny. And I'm like, it's, it's a little bit funny. She was so distraught until I turned to her and said, it's fine. I know. I'm just joking. And she was, but like, she was just confused. She just didn't know what comedians yeah. are like, I guess. But fuck me. Like I've said to people too, when they go, I'm so sorry because my dad's dead. Um, you know, but he was a piece of shit. So when people go, I'm so sorry you lost your dad, I go, why? He was fucked up. And even in my shows, when I go, um, you know, I'll say something about my dad and, and I go, no, he's dead. And then they go, oh, I go, don't worry, I didn't like him. And then you can tell the audience sort of turn on me a bit. And I'm like, you don't fucking know him. We have very interesting relationships with death. Everyone does because everyone wants to think that they react in the way they think they're supposed to first. And then they have to be reminded that death is like an everyday thing. Treat it with that kind of casualness, that kind of informality, let's say, not casualness. Um, and then it demystifies it, stops it being scary. Yeah. I remember my mum, when when anyone died, my mum would like have a, my mum still has a rule, no euphemisms. So if we said passed yeah. away, if we said <clears throat> no longer with us or moved on, she's like, what? No, yeah. no, they haven't passed away. They haven't moved on. They've died. Say they've died. Yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. I, mm. I just think we have sort of a societal approach to things um, you know, like, okay, let's set the scene. There's an elderly person, you know, mm. crooked back, walking with a trolley with their groceries in, you know, only a few groceries. It's starting to rain. Mm. It's a cold Melbourne winter day. And you drive past and you look at that person and you're sitting in the tram and you're looking at that elderly person. Your first thing is like, where is this person's family? Why is this poor elderly person out by themselves? Mm. Not for a second do we go, she's probably a cunt. 
to her kids. That's why she's <laughs> Why do we, uh, our automatic response, oh my God, this poor elderly person and must help this elderly person. I always look at elderly people and go, you're probably shit to your family. That's why you're alone. I think that we get scared that that's going to happen to us. So we go, where's that person's family? They must be nice because we think about our grandmother and we think about ourselves dying and we go, oh, I hope I'm not alone when I die. And the problem is, or the truth is, most of us will be because most of us are also cunts. Yeah, but that's the thing where people go, you know, you come into this world alone, you leave this world alone. I go, that's bullshit. No one comes into this world alone. Your fucking mum's there. Like right around yeah. you, so close, connected to you. You would never, you've never been more not alone. Like you're alone the day after you're born, but not the day you're born. I want to die the same way I was born, getting spanked by someone with a medical degree. <laughs> Can't just get a doctor. You got to make a booking. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Is this, the, is this technically a, a living will that you and I are making now? Yeah. <laughs> So you're going to make sure that I get spanked by a doctor when I die. What am I going to do for I you? I just want to lie on the couch watching some murder documentary while someone feeds me Whitaker's chocolate, just shove it into my mouth, and then slowly, as it's dissolving, melting in my mouth, just put a pillow over my head. I don't care who does it. <laughs> she died doing what she loved. That's right. <laughs> Should we print someone's photo on the pillow so you can have a good view as you, as you, as you suffocate? Nigella, Nigella Lawson. Oh, Nigella Lawson's a good oh, one. she's hot. With her licking some chocolate off her finger, I want that. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah fantastic. As a gay man, that would be called a rim job Nigella. <laughs> yeah. Hey, let me ask you something. You know, with the approach with the old people and how we have that reaction to them, do you think, like, because now the reaction's the same with, like, drag queens or, you know, queer people in general. I think people are so fucking petrified. It's like queer people are suddenly, and drag queens especially, have become the boogeymen. Just Google how many drag queens have been arrested um, and just go statistically, your kids are safer with a drag queen than with anyone else. But those are the people that have been told to distrust experts and distrust statistics because they're not getting, they haven't always thought this about queer people. They've been told it by the news monopoly, by the media monopoly. They've been told it by people with a motive. And those same people, look at Trump, look at even the conservatives in the UK who said we're tired of experts, who say, oh, distrust all the statistics. Go with your gut and wear your gut and we will tell you. And they, they swallow it. That's the funniest thing. I love when they, like with the Trump stuff, right, when people go, you know, have you read the transcripts. Have you read? No, but I've listened to people who have read it. Yeah. Or I've, you know, I don't need to read it because I listen to, I'm like, oh my God. And then they go, you know, you just have to do your own research. But have you? No. But Trump says what we're all thinking. I've never thought the words that comes out of his mouth. If he truly wants to say what we're all thinking, he'd be talking about how, you know, turtle pussy must be so rank because it never comes out of the shell. You know, like no one ever, like even human beings, air pussy every night where you go, oh, I'm going to have a shower, then I'm going to sleep without underpants. But a turtle's got their pussy right on the ground, on the heat, in a box all day. That pussy must be the rankest thing on the planet. Why isn't he talking about that if he's truly I'm talking about I'm going to tell you something. Yeah. 
Uh, what keeps you up at night? How much weed do you smoke? If that's the thought that comes into your head. <laughs> no, that's the thing. I don't. I don't even do drugs. And that's the thing that I'm thinking about. But you know, turtle is meant to be delicious. Think about turtle pussy. Like the giant turtle, the giant tortoise was so delicious. That I know, but the, it's, it's just like, put some garlic sauce on it. This pie is real tough to get through. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, maybe it's one of those old Victorian pies where you're not meant to eat the crust. You're meant to like crack uh-huh. it open and and scoop. Yeah, scoop. Yeah. Or do you do you start from the head or do you start from the turtle pussy? Well, you kind of. I would blow it out. What do you mean you blow it out? You blow out an egg. Like if you want to paint the shells, but you don't want to give, give the kids like a full. So then you you blow, make a little hole at the top, a little hole at the bottom, and you. Like, what I'm saying is never have scrambled eggs or omelette at my house. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm coming to your house for breakfast, we something is very wrong in the world for you and I okay. to be up early enough to be having breakfast. Do you make breakfast for the kids? Are you a morning mum? Oh, yeah, I am a morning mum. I wake up an hour early. Like I'll say to them the night before, what do you want for breakfast in the morning? Do you want pancakes? Do you want waffles? I'll do anything. Like um, I've said to my kids too, you can wake me up three o'clock in the morning and go, I want you to make me pancakes. I'll make you pancakes. So many kids go to school because, you know, school is a fucking nightmare as it is, right? Like kids are cunts. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, like they, they're going to bully you for some reason. They will find something. I just think if I send my kids off with the happiest heart that they can have in the morning, like anything, if they say to me, I want a donut for breakfast, I'll swing past the service station and get them a donut. I don't care. And they can, they can have, as long as they have the happiest start to the day, it's like, you know, like I grew up really poor and we, uh, I, I can remember being cold in the middle of the night. Like it was such a nightmare. Like we always slept cold. So I make sure that my kids sleep really warm. And I think if you start your day good, um, then already you have that goodness. It can last you to till like second break. Hang on. How do we get to you being a perfect mum and seconds before you saying turtle pussy must taste rank? Well, I mean, because I do my own research, Ruben. I don't want my kids, if my kids, <laughs> what, what's your thoughts on, on turtles? I go, well, they're pussy in the rank. Do you want some pancakes? <laughs> I got to say, they must have the best things to show at show and tell. Hey, do you want to? Do you want to tell the story? Can I tell the story of my first show and tell? Yes, please. The story starts the night before show and tell. The story starts the night before show and tell. I think I'm uh, about three or four. I'm at kindy, and my mum is having a cocktail party, and I'm pulling my typical three, four year old bullshit, which is mm, I'm thirsty. Oh, I don't want to go to bed. I'm tired, or I had a nightmare. Uh, which means I just want to stay up with the adult. So mum's having a cocktail party. She thinks, oh, well, it'll be funny. I'll just get Ruben to tell a joke. I'll get Ruben to tell a dirty joke. So she lines a joke up, says it to me, stands me on the kitchen table and says, okay, go. And I tell this joke and it kills. And the joke is, and you'll probably know this joke, uh, why do they call it a pap smear? If they called it a cunt scrape, no one would go. <laughs> oh my God. And out of the mouth of a very cute three-year-old. Very funny. It killed. Yeah. Very funny. Mum puts me to bed. The next day I wake up, I go off to kindergarten, and the next day is show and tell. Yeah. 
And my mum, my mum gets a call from the kindergarten saying, you need to pick up your child now. Because all of these kids, of course, didn't, they didn't understand the joke, but they saw all the teachers howling with laughter. Oh my God. I mean, my mum gave me my first joke too that I told at school, but it was a lot tamer than that. Every term you have to put, they go, okay, who lives in this neighborhood? Then you put your hand up. Why did your parents get divorced and how did they do it? And, and, you know, why? And I didn't know. So I went home and I said, my teacher wants to know why you and dad got divorced. So my mom said, you tell your teacher. Um, It's because I really wanted to be a widow, but your dad wouldn't drink the poison. And I went, okay. And I didn't understand that that was a joke. Like, so the next day I went up to my teacher and I said, miss, my parents got divorced because my mom really wanted to be a widow, but my dad wouldn't drink the poison. And then she just laughed at us off and she goes, wait here. And then she went and got all the other teachers and I had to keep repeating the joke, you know, like every time she got a new teacher, she goes, tell them, tell them why your parents are divorced. And I tell her, and then the the teachers would crack up. And I was like, I don't know why this is funny, but it's, it's working. I love it. I love the reaction of it. Yeah. And you, you got to workshop the material. Yeah. If I had can't scrape in the bag, I would have fucking killed. I would have, I wouldn't have waited until I was 32 to become a <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever done anything else other than performing? Oh yeah, I was um I was a bartender and I was a butler in London. Mm. Um, so I would go to people's houses for events and I'd be a full butler. Or I worked at a members club in Pall Mall for these called the Travelers Club, and the membership criteria was that you had to have visited fifty countries in a year. Uh, and I would stand there in the grey suit with the white gloves and the trays and the silver service and women aren't allowed in, in, the, in the building except in the morning room between these hours and I'd have to silver serve these dinners. I remember once I had to silver serve steak and kidney pie with the two spoons like as pliers and oh as I'm serving this boiling hot plate of things to like these on plates, sweat is running down and in this drip of sweat just runs down my nose, hangs off my nose and drops straight into the steak and kidney pies. I'm serving it to like British aristocracy. Uh. And I was living in a bus in Stepney Way in Whitechapel that was in the courtyard of a pub that my mate was squatting in. And my electricity was and heating was just an extension cord that ran out the window of the bus up the balcony into the kitchen of the pub. And I just stole all the silverware and all the food. So I was working as a butler, earning nothing. Um, but my little bus that I lived in for six months was filled with silverware and I was eating pate and pigeon every night. <laughs> That's the gayest story I've ever heard. <laughs> I love it was it. so bizarre. I was a private bartender. I just got a note saying, from my agent, the bartending agent was like, hey, you have to go and do this gig. You have to sign an NDA. And I'm like, fine, uh, which I'm probably violating now. And I yeah. just rocked up to the boat and the boat was fully stocked with a bar and I didn't get told anything. I was like, NDA sign, get on board, do you think? Yeah. And as we're waiting for the guest arrivals, no one's telling me what the gig is. Um, and then the guests start coming on. I'm like, oh, okay, that's Colin Firth. Oh, that's Ruby Wax. Oh, that's Jemima Khan. Oh, that's, and then Annie Lennox in a wedding dress. And I'm like, oh, fuck. And they're just coming up to the bar and ordering whatever drink they want. Like, hey, I want a Hennessy old fashioned. And I don't, I bullshitted my way into this gig. Like I bullshit into everything. 
So I have no idea. So I've got my phone out Googling these drinks and then be like, yep, of course, I'll get that to you right away. And then Googling how to make them, making them and sending them out. I think I've still got a scented candle from that wedding. That's amazing. <laughs> Stolen, no doubt. Not, not a gift. No, no, no. It was no, they, they were going to give a gift to staff. Hey, let me ask you, um, do you remember how and when we met? I think it was at one of the comedy galas and I knew that you were there. I was nervous and you told me I smashed it. And I was like, oh, that's my first memory of ever meeting you. Do you, have you ever done the World Buskers Festival in Christchurch? Never. Then it wasn't you. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. I'm sure it was then. But then, no, I can remember um, the galas. It's always the galas. Yeah. But in my head, I'm like, we met at World Buskers Festival. I'm sure of it. It was a positive experience, you know, where you go, oh, I, I'm not 100% sure of where we were, but I know that it was positive. Yeah. And that, you know, yeah. it was just, you were so sweet and, and so nervous. And so uh, I remember both of us being tense. So in my head, I made it. Yeah. Yeah, those those filmed galas. Oh, it's those filmed galas are, are really shitty. I often think because New Zealand Comedy Festival, the galas they are fucking hard because by the time they've got like twenty three people on the bill, by the time you go up, the audience is tired. Some of them are half asleep, or some of them are fully asleep. I've walked out where half the room have fucking left, and the other half are fast asleep or so drunk. Everyone said that to me. They just said, just get out there. Just go out there and play for the edit, not the people in the room. But yeah. it feels like such a a betrayal of like, because we're so live. You and I are real live performers. Yeah. One day I want to get so famous that I'm next to Annie Lennox and just lean over and go, by the way, um, I served I served you at your wedding. And she'll be like, no, that would yeah. be fucking cool. Yeah. Right? I'm so married because I didn't spike your drink. <laughs> because I didn't sink the fucking boat because I didn't steal the rudder. <laughs> Only the candles. Hi, um, Ruben, let me ask you, what's something about um, other people that shits you to absolute death? Uh, if anyone talks down to me, if anyone patronises me, I go, I go crazy in my brain and I start feeling managed and I start feeling like a child. If they start um, acting like, oh, do you need some help? Or did you not yeah. understand that? And I'm like, no, I understood it, bitch. I understood it and I moved on from that point and you're still stuck here. Yeah. Let's get, uh, get I, with the fucking program. Perfect. So this, I'm staying in a hotel as I, like, you know, on the road a lot. So you stay in hotels a lot. If stuff happens in a hotel, yeah. like your, your electronic key doesn't want to work or like my phone didn't work in my hotel room. Um, so I, I went online. Oh, and they act like it's your first time in a hotel? And they go, did you press talk? Yes. Did you dial zero, <laughs> bitch? Or yeah. did you tap the card? Yes, I tapped the card. What else the fuck would I do with this card? And then, you know, and I go, yeah, I did. I So in Manchester, I'll never uh, – we checked, checked into uh, Manchester in this hotel. Uh, I'll go look up the name and even shame them if I have to. And um, this woman gave me my my room key. And she was real impatient, real fucking rude. So I go up to my room. But as soon as I got in the lift, like it didn't want to tap, but I was staying on the same floor as my tour manager. 
So he tapped and we went up to the room, got to the room. Key doesn't want to work. Go downstairs. She goes, yeah, did you tap it? I go, I tapped it. She goes, okay, let's go see. She didn't make me a new key. She came in the lift with me, took my no. card and tapped it. But I went with her because I knew it wasn't going to work because I'm not a fucking moron. I went with her and as soon as she tapped it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I said, it doesn't work. I tapped it. I understand how a fucking electronic key works. And then I'm like, um, which part of tap a plastic bit of shit to another plastic bit of shit do you think I didn't understand? It's so funny, isn't it? Because the effort it would have taken her just to print a new room key. Nothing. Is yeah. so small compared to the effort of, well, I'll walk you through there. I'll walk up to your room with you. I'll tap it. It's that make an example of bullshit, that parental bullshit. Also, I'm menopausal. Normally, I just go, oh, this bitch is crazy. But when when they do shit like that, I'm like, okay, you've got next level to be a cunt. No one's going to out-cunt Ursula Carlson. When are you going to open your own hotel? Fucking never. It's the same with restaurants. I think when you just start working in hospital, you're like, I'm going to open my own coffee shop. But then you realize, oh, wait, this is like 18 hours on my feet. No, thanks. I don't want to do that. And then you work with the general public. No, thanks. I don't want to. You're dealing with them. Most of the time they're talking to you when they're inconvenienced, when they have a problem. And there's hell hath no fury like a middle-class bitch with a very small problem. Yes. 100%. 100%. No, but you know what I, uh, like you, you don't know how feral some people are. I'll never forget, I worked in this coffee shop um, in Wales, in, in Cardiff. And um, this woman came in like every morning. I think she must have dropped her older kid off and then her and her little kid. And then she would meet up with some of the other moms. And the kids would put their hands in the sugar bowl and eat the sugar off their fingers and then stick their fingers. So every morning we knew this this group would come in. And then I would sort of put the, the all the sugar from the days before that got all clumpy. I put that in a bowl for them and put that on the table. And every morning this mom would go, excuse me, can we get fresh sugar here, please? And I'm like, you want fresh sugar so your kid can put their fucking hand in that again? And every morning they did it. Every single Disgusting. Morning. That's There is no better contraception than other people's children. Yeah. Honestly, it's fucking gross. People's kids are gross. Okay, um, oh. let me ask you, what, what is the thing about you that shits you to death that you wish you could just stop and not fucking do it? I wish I could keep a thought in my head. Do you remember like you have a very, do you ever feel like you have a brilliant thought, a brilliant observation, and then halfway through you talking to someone, it just disappears out of your head and you're left there standing with your dick in your hand like an asshole? Yeah. Happens to me five times a day to the point where I think I might have a brain injury. I'm trying to expound on something. I have a solution for a problem. I have a great line or a great joke that I'm working on. And as I'm trying to write it down, it just Leaves you. trickles out of my ear, out of my face, out of my head like snot. I think it's just because you're too smart. You know, your brain goes five steps ahead <laughs> of your mouth. I think, it's, I think it's because my brain moves quickly, but it's also like, I don't know, like yours, it gets distracted very quickly. So I'll start... If I'm looking around the kitchen, I start reading everything. When I'm walking down the street, I just start reading number plates because they're there in front of my head, face. And like, yeah. oh, what was I just thinking about? Because now all I have is this fucking vanity license plate that says, I deafen you. Yeah. From this guy blasting yeah. sound out of speakers. Or I think about I think about the mole on the face of the guy who was trying to fill out my prescription at Boots today for about five minutes. 
I, I always think, because I've got a mark on my cheek and people always look at it. And, and I, um, I, I, I looked at this guy's mole and I clocked that he clocked me looking at his mole. <clears throat> maybe he likes the attention. If you have problem making eye contact, maybe having a mole there for other people to look at so you don't have to make eye contact is actually oh, a blessing yeah. in disguise. Yeah. I, I've got like some, I don't know if you can see, there's like a tiny, there's a little moly thing here but it's under oh, yeah. the skin yeah. on my nose right under there. I keep on thinking every so often maybe I'll go, oh, maybe I'll get him taken off. Maybe I'll have something done there. And then they told me the process of doing it, which was like, first we will freeze this mole and then I will slice out, but I might have to also slice in to get out. Like you caught the eye of a potato. And okay. I was like, Okay. Okay. I think yeah. I'll just keep it. No, ha- rather have a bump than a dent. I think that's. Oh be- yeah, yeah. You want a bump rather than a dent, for sure. Otherwise, you look like you you should be going to a panel beaters instead of a plastic surgeon. Yeah. One last thing okay. I want to know: Are you like all the makeup that you put on? Is that all self-taught? Yeah, I had to keep on fucking up because I learn better by my own mistakes rather than someone else telling me. And I guess you're right. Maybe you do get to play the martyr. Like no one ever helps me, but also fuck anybody who tries to help me. I can do it on my own, mum. Yes. You yeah. Know? I, I honestly, I hate it when people tell me or, um, you know, like obvious shit where they go, you know, maybe if you just stop doing, you know what, don't fucking tell me what to do. Don't tell me what to do and don't give me advice unless I ask you for it. It just irritates me. Yeah, meanwhile, as you try and put a dish wrapped in tin foil into a microwave and you go, I know how to do things, click, yeah. boom. Hold my knife, yeah. When is your birthday? Uh, 22nd of September. I'm on the spring equinox. I'm a New Year's baby. Nice. My parents were having a good time on New Year's Eve in, um, let's say, 1995. <laughs> <laughs> you can lie if you like. <laughs> Ruben has just wrapped up his spots at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, but now he tours across the UK and then on to Antwerp, Oslo, Amsterdam, Stockholm and Helsinki. For all the tour dates and tickets, head to rubenk.com. If you enjoyed this chat with my good mate Ruben, why not check out another chat I had with an absolute queen, Spanky Jackson, which is like Ruben, she shares an interaction she had with a major celeb during Paris Fashion Week. How bougie. Just search That's Enough Already with Spanky Jackson wherever you download your podcast. Don't forget to like and share with a friend. And I will see you next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of That's Enough Already, hosted by me, Ursula Carlson, and produced by Natalie Turner. Supervising producer was Nick McClure, and special thanks to Ella Leaf and Beck Sutherland. Couldn't do it without you, gals. If you like this podcast, remember to subscribe, share it with all of your friends, tell your mum, tell your sister, don't tell that annoying brother of yours, you know, but definitely share it with a friend.